Hello, and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this episode, I interview Eva Lelkesh, who works with women in particular, to empower them, to enable them to come together, to talk about issues, to reveal their emotions, to understand them, and then to use them and display them in ways that are more authentic to themselves as women. We talk about men's issues too, and the difference between the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the wounded feminine, the wounded masculine, and how they interplay with each other within all of us, not just within men separately or women separately. We hope you enjoy this podcast. I put some detailed podcast notes alongside the description, including ways in which to contact Eva, because she runs some retreats and some one-to-one work as well, which are fascinating in terms of developing and supporting women and men in the future, I hope, to develop themselves in the ways that they wish. So enjoy the podcast. I'll say Merry Christmas. It may be that this will be listened to at different times of the year, but this is being produced in December 2023. And I hope you have a great Christmas and a fabulous new year. So good morning, Eva. Dobrirano, Juregeet in Hungarian. I hope you're well, and I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. So straight into it, can you just tell me a little bit about, um, first of all, your executive career? Because you became a senior executive at a very young age, 29, I think you said you were in a very high position. So I want to know more about that, and then we'll talk about your changing career after that. But let's get to uh, when you were 29 and how you got to that state, and, and what did you do? What were you trying to achieve? Hello, good morning, to everyone. Hello, John. I'm really pleased to be here. And thank you for this straightaway question. Let's jump into it. Uh, well, yeah, I was pretty young. I was 29 when I got a top executive uh, position in one of the biggest companies in Slovakia. And, and actually, it's an international one. It's uh, more in more than six countries. And well, that was a surprise for me as well, I have to tell, because... Uh, I was working for another company, which is a joint venture between the one where I was called and another one. And well, obviously my performance in this joint venture was good enough to be called for this top managerial, uh, top executive position. Uh, but I have to admit that I only learned that the position which was described at the job interview is a top executive position. I only learned it by signing the contract. So it was kind of like um, jump into the deep water. Mm-hmm. But for me, jumping into the deep water, as I understood through my life, is the way I learn the most and the way I learn the best. So, yeah, it, it needed some some courage to, to stay there. <laughs> yes. And what sector was that in? If you can't describe the company, just a little bit about the sector in which you were working and the type of work you were doing. Yeah, the, the first company where I used to work, it was also a managerial position, and that was electricity business. And then the later one was oil and gas. Uh, and uh, as I have also a legal background, um, my responsibility was uh, kind of like legalish thing, but not the, not the legal department. So I was responsible for the... Um, corporate center of the of the company which means uh, the general assembly the board of directors and also of course the ceo's office and the compliance and also organizational design and process development okay so that was like for running for six years before then i changed again (laughs) 
very good. So that was a very senior level strategic position, huge responsibility. And I think a combination of factors led you to burnout. Can you describe that that process of process of burnout, what it meant for you and and how you felt at the time? I felt miserable. I felt miserable. It's been like seven or maybe even eight years ago by now. And of course, it was nothing pleasant and nothing comfortable. And it was a long journey. Many people who are running into burnout, they do not understand that actually burnout has several stages and you can stay in the first stage of it for literally ages without having very, very clear signs that you are there. Uh, well, I managed to get to this you are there position. <laughs> and uh, so I was feeling by that time pretty often anxiety. I kept having panic attacks. And anyways, my immunity system was already really low. So I kept being sick like regularly. And when I started to have sleeping problems and food problems, then I was like, okay, so this is the end point. And I took a break. And um, my that time was, was an amazing person who gave me also a one month paid holidays, which, which was absolutely amazing. And I spent them all on, a, on the seaside. So, so that was really helpful. And after that, we re discussed my responsibilities and my agenda. And actually we managed to find a match point where both of us were happy and uh, I was pretty much able to deliver with a new power uh, just in a short time but of course it also needed a deep inner work. Mm -hmm. So you needed that period for recovery to recover yourself to feel better about yourself and to feel more confident in yourself but then how long was it again before you thought no, I need to change change this career. Something's not working for me. I need to do something else. Well, I never I never felt that I am doing what I'm here on this planet Earth called to do. When I was working in in business, I was like, I was good in it, obviously. But um, I was like, really, am I? I didn't feel success, you know, even if I was like objectively successful. Once they wanted to make an interview with me as a successful woman into rather big Slovak magazine and I was like oh well I'm not there so inside I didn't feel the success because I didn't feel it uh, authentic I would say I didn't feel that that's my truth that's what I should really do and um, of course my health issues were my prime motivation to dive into psychology and spirituality so for me <laughs> I was my first client <laughs> and um uh, as I was learning about it more and more, now it's been more than 10 years that I'm also busy with these kind of topics. And as I was learning more and more and I was more and more into it, I understood that this is this might be my actual calling to work with people. And uh, actually the, the changing point came when I got a position where I was leading uh, organizational culture development project and uh, first in my company and then several other companies uh, in six countries like literally there was a company which had like 30 employees and then there was once with 200 300 and also 3000 so it was very very diverse and very interesting therefore and i kept traveling a lot but then covid came and uh, there i felt like really really that i'm on my right place when i was doing the the corporate culture thingy because because uh, that was just so close to to my personality and to the skills which i have and um, as COVID came, I started to record podcasts and write articles and help my colleagues in all possible ways. 
um, just to keep them above the waves, I would say, uh, about anxiety, about all kinds of emotions and and um, inner inner status, I would say, which might have popped up during those times. And, and I found myself in it. Uh, it was very welcomed. And I eventually built the base for a well-being program in six countries, which is now still running after I left the company three years ago. So I'm pretty, pretty happy about it that, uh, yeah, that I was at there and I was, it was kind of my baby. And how did it feel to know, uh, I like that phrase you used about you were your own first client, you know, the first person you worked with was yourself, because you have to, you have to do that inner work. How did it feel to be on that right path? How did you know you were doing something which was feeding your soul, if you like? Yeah, this was this exact feeling. So once you get in touch with your body, especially if you, if you are a woman, but I guess all of us has it. Uh, so once you know that you are doing what you are doing you just have more energy your your heart literally lights up uh, you step into your creativity uh, and it's just a gut feeling that you are there you are doing what you really love and uh, and you feel that you are devoted like I, I had I had the feeling that that that's it like it was so clear that it was not not questionable mm-hmm. So how did you, people often talk about needing the courage to step away from a paid, secure job, you know, well-paid job. How did you get the courage to move away from that and to set yourself on your up on your own and be your own boss? How did you make that decision in the, the final days? Oh, you know, uh, many people told me, oh, how courageous I am. And I didn't fear so, because <laughs> for me, it was so natural because uh, my calling to do something else and my calling to build more freedom in my life, which is like super important um, to be my own boss and to do what I really do want under my terms, my conditions. Uh, it was so strong that I couldn't resist. So the calling was way stronger than my calling for safety or security, whatever a permanent job can give you. Perfect. Why do you only work with women? This is a key question for me. So your choice was to go on your own, to be this motivational well-being coach and facilitator and enabler, empowering people, but you've decided to focus on women. What was the reason for that? Yeah, well, on my path, uh, I understood that uh, actually that that that's my exact target group that's my calling why first of all i'm a woman so for me it's like super authentic to talk about something what i lived myself so uh i'm working with women who are in those shoes where i've been to therefore for me it's uh, really easy to understand them to feel into their hearts uh it's very easy to to feel the compassion with them and uh, yeah, this understanding is so deep because it's so personal that it just gives me the safety that I can have them for sure. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And again, this experience, 
leads you down that path of saying, I know how you feel or I can understand how you feel, that empathy. Can you say something about whether you think women need extra support these days, particularly during that COVID time when there is research to suggest that women actually experience the COVID pandemic in a much more dramatic way than men? Even more pressure was put on women not only to keep a job going online or remotely, but also then to maintain the lead within the family structure and to support children who were studying at home. And that actually the COVID period was excessively demanding of women. Uh, I guess it was so because this COVID period, it was like enlarging the already existing problems because anyways, women of these days, they are jongling in between their professional career and uh, and they work, what do they what they do at home, right? And of course, there is now this tendency of gender equality and we can do it all and men can also stay at home. And it, it's all right, like, you know, everybody does what feels good for him or her. However, um, because it's a very new tendency uh, and the context is still still an old one. It's still this patriarchal setup. Uh, we don't know what to do with this old tendency, with this new tendency, sorry. And the thing is that we do not have, us women, we do not have enough idols, enough good examples to follow that how to do this jungling. And when we are in our professional career, when we are doing our job, or when I'm now talking to you in this podcast, um, my testosterone is on the rise. <laughs> so my masculine hormones are on the rise and I have to be aware of it, right? Uh, so, uh, and they are on rise and actually they are also on the rise when a woman feels stress. Mm -hmm. Just the opposite in men's case, uh, it's estrogen when there's stress, not the testosterone. So it's it's the opposite way how the hormones work. So actually, uh, the more time we spend at work, and that was also my case, like sometimes I was like 10, 12 hours in my office, and the more time we spend at work and the more time we use our masculine power, which is like organizing, planning, doing strategy, thinking, you know, so all this kind of stuff. This is raising our testosterone and putting us into our masculine power, which is all right because, because we live in a patriarchy and this is how we want to succeed. This is how we want to show achievements that, voila, I've done something. However, um, women's power and the feminine power is not necessarily in doing only. Of course, we do as well because each of us has both the masculine and the feminine traits, but the feminine power is in being and not in doing. And well, tell me <laughs> if I tell you that, oh, I'm just being because I'm a woman. Well, I would be easily labeled as lazy, as somebody who is not worthy in this society. Right. So um, so it's it's really, really hard to set back. And actually, if we want to set back and if we want to balance back into our feminine power after we were using this masculine force, we really need time for ourselves mm -hmm. just to be, just to, to dance, to connect to ourselves, to connect to other women. That's like super empowering. So, so this is the feminine power, connection. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do not have the time for connection. We only see the duties and duties at home and duties at work. And this keeps us in, in this survival mode, which is definitely not helping.
And also, I would just add shortly that we are much more emotional. In generally speaking, of course, it's a stereotype because there are also super emotional men and less emotional women. But if we are just staying with this stereotype, then women are more emotional. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, outer circumstances, just it was like this cattle, I would say it like the COVID uh, period, but any kind of outer circumstances, they influence us way more easier because, you know, we, we perceive them maybe more hazardous, we are more sensitive and so on and so on, and way more emotions and the big variety of emotions are popping us for us. And that's not easy to handle, at least mm-hmm. not always. So that kind of divide you believe to be very important, the masculine, feminine polarity. In terms of your spirituality, do you talk about the divine feminine and the divine masculine and the wounded feminine and the wounded masculine? Do you go into that level of detail with your clients? We get there. <laughs> we do get there, but that's not how where we start and how we start. And sometimes I do not even use the words divine mm-hmm. uh, because... Uh, because you know, I I I worked with my clients one to one, and it's always, of course, I have a program which is done and read, and you know, like it's 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 a it's a prepared thingy. But I always make it tailor made for my pro, for my clients. So if uh, there's a woman who is absolutely not into spirituality, I can still help her. And of course, I I'm not gonna trigger her with words like divine or whateverish. Mm-hmm. I talk to her in a way that so she understands which mindset might be helpful for her. And of course, it's it, it's going to be a liberation for her, whether she uses this vocabulary or not. Yes. But yes, there are also clients who are open for it. And there I'm also more open into this realm. Yeah. Because from my point of view, as a, as a language teacher, I like to make the connection between the language we use to describe these topics, particularly spirituality and, you know, whether people feel comfortable with those. Sometimes it's part of a learning process, isn't it, to actually label or to name um, what we're talking about. But that comes with it or brings with it its own problems because those labels can be damaging, you know, as in any yeah. Yeah, but this, and this it's very about, good yeah. that you're mentioning it. Sorry, I just I just jumped into it. Sorry, yeah. uh, it's it's very good that you are saying it because actually language is super important. And the way way I work and the way I help myself was also naming mm-hmm. the problem, mm-hmm. naming so finding a language which helps me to make my problem tangible. Yes. Yeah. Right. And and the the differentiation of masculine and feminine traits and what you were mentioning yes the wounded or distorted however you call it the wounded masculine the wounded feminine in us and also the divine the one which is healthy i call it mostly so this this language was so helpful for me just to understand that where i'm at and where can i get right so this is the basic of my transformation and this is the basic of transformation of my clients as well yeah I mean, in terms of the wounded feminine, we think about things that women are accused of being, and this is again a 
pejorative and negative kind of perception or perspective, but insecure or too needy or codependent, manipulative, or as you said before, inauthentic or over-emotional or victim. These are criticized as negatives, but actually they have a reflective side. They have a reason, they have a purpose, and they are there for a reason, but they're described as negative. Whereas for men, it's often that men are controlling or aggressive, withdrawn or avoid talking about things or doing things too competitive or they're abusive or unstable which you can recognize in many men and we can recognize in ourselves I'm, I'm sure but to turn that around and to deal with that negative that unhealthy side is obviously critically part of your work isn't it absolutely and you were beautifully naming those uh, unhealthy those wounded patterns what we also name during my programs and actually there are some of them which are really repetitive. So they are like really coming up very, very often. And what about like, if I just can mention a few examples, mm -hmm. like what I can say that there's, there are two core beliefs, what women have the tendency to have. And the one is that I'm not good enough. And that often puts us into, puts us into this victim position, in this waiting position that, okay, I'm not good enough. So I'm not even going to get it out there because, you know, what if I would be judged and denied and not loved and so on? And then the other one, it's just on the side of the coin. It's the, I'm too much. Mm -hmm. I'm too emotional. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too wild. And I'm supposed to be modest and la la, you know, like all these kind of soft and weak and perfect uh, qualities. So, so these are like very much there and the victim attitude is pretty much there. And on the other side, uh, as I work with professional women who are very much in their masculine power, and I have them to exactly to harness this masculine power, keep it, have it, but yes. harness, use it consciously. And I learned them to teach them to step into their feminine power. So here the thing is that there are many, many masculine traits what we work on with these women. And this is... This is obviously very often about overdoing. Yes. So being yeah. being constantly busy, overdoing, but also over delivering, giving, mm -hmm. giving, giving, giving. And giving healthy giving is a very, very nice and beautiful uh, masculine trait. However, if you want to give, you need another person who should receive. Yeah. And uh, many of us strong professional women, for us, it's not so easy to learn to receive. And that's what we learn together. Yes, and of course, anybody can give too much, can't they? And that can be damaging in itself. And Absolutely. Nice, nicely put that you say you have to be ready to receive, but also you have to be willing to receive. And sometimes it's a bit like love or passion or energy. You're trying to give it to somebody who doesn't actually want it or doesn't want it at that time or doesn't want it from you. Uh, they're trying to be kind and let you down gently. But actually, that interrelationship between it can be men to men, women to women, women to men, men to women. And... And that's that brings us to this delicate area of gender fluidity now. Will these gender roles, and they are dangerously sometimes stereotypical, could they be made more complex by this notion now that diversity of genders is to be accepted and maybe even fluid and that people switch or change even their gender, but their sex over time? Will that change this notion of polarities between the masculine and the feminine energies? I do not believe that it's something what can be easily changeable because I think if we kind of like stick 
to the thing, just like just for understanding, if we stick to the thing that what is masculine and what is feminine, and we find our very unique, very personal balance into in, in between these two, it doesn't matter whether we are woman or man. Mm -hmm. So the only thing is it's you and your happiness and your balance. You should feel good. You are supposed to get liberated and feel good in your body, in your energy. And your mix is your mix, right? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, we can name it these masculine and feminine energies in order to make us super easy to grab it. But then what you do with it and how you mix up your combo, it's absolutely up to you. And yes, for, for women, I can help with that. Yes. And I would suggest that men need, <laughs> men need that help too, because I get described as being everything from alpha male to dominating, to domineering, to aggressive, particularly on the football field, um, through to <laughs> in my relationships being too soft, too gentle, too giving, too much, too needy. All of the kind of wounded or unhealthy feminine traits come out to me. You know, I want to protect people, which is male, but also I want to give, again, which is male or masculine, but sometimes seen as codependent or too needy. And I'm working on that. But I think we're always, always working on these things. But there are elements of what you've spoken about, which I believe men need deeply to get into at the moment so that they release their feminine energies, but at the same time, keep their masculinity. And it's that balance, as you say, for everybody, it's something different. Oh, absolutely. And actually, it's very interesting what you say, because uh, nowadays, still 70, 75% of the audience of self-discovery and self-development courses are women. Mm -hmm. uh, however, there are men as well conscious men out there and uh, actually it's super important for men to get into connection with uh, their emotional with their feminine side as well because as soon as they get in contact with their feminine side for them it's then way easier to understand this crazy emotional feminine woman who is next to them right and for just for us just the opposite like um when I absolved uh, a week-long tantric retreat where we actually converted into men, there were only like 40 women and we were for one week in male energy. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was so transformational because I understood so much about manhood. Yes. And sometimes I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Like I have no emotions, no thoughts. I'm so calm. And you know, it's just so great to be a man. But then of course, there was also this other side that, hey but i am responsible here yeah. i am the one who should yes. stand for yeah. for you i am the one who who carries it all, uh, carries it all on my shoulders who who shall be protective who shall be providing and that's that that's not easy yeah. so definitely definitely like all my respect to man and well well maybe once i come also to the work with you Well, you know, you're supposed to be confident as a man, focused, logical, deeply present, you know, all of these things um, that you're not supposed to judge, but at the same time, make good decisions and make them quickly and authoritatively, you know, with power um, to lead. You know, these are all the giving energies, the sort of positive side of the masculine energies, but they can go too far, of course. But we are meant to be accountable and honest. And I think that honesty and that trust is where we as men sometimes let ourselves down. But, and the um, presence, I yeah, would say. <laughs> yeah, deeply present. I mean, then in the 
feminine energies, of course, this intuitiveness, this groundedness, open, trusting, creative, all of these beautiful talents, I would call them, but they are also assets and skills and qualities. But being empathetic. Yeah, and you know, what I was just, uh, you just mentioned trust, mm -hmm. and this is a biggie. Mm -hmm. Trust is a biggie for professional women, and at least for women in general, because uh, the masculine is, is here to lead us. But the masculine, and even the inner masculine, or my man, right? But my inner masculine, or my man, they can lead us only if I give my trust. Yes. Yes. Only if I give my trust to him. And uh, if we if we spend too much time alone, or if we spend too much time at work or with activities, which are, once again, as I was mentioning, rising our testosterone, we are so much independent that we have the feeling that we actually don't need a man to mm. arrange things in our lives. Because we are, we are super independent. We don't need no one. We can do it all alone. I don't need any help. But hey, feminine power is also in connection. So I do need that help. Uh, it's very easier to have the help. And I can easily connect with other women and take the help from there. Or I can cultivate my trust in men and give them the trust and let them deliver. And this yes. is about receiving again, right? So trust is crucial. And very often, like actually, I, what I was mentioning that I was having anxiety, that was a trust issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was a trust issue. And first, I had to learn to trust in myself. Yes. So then I can trust, let's call it life or the universe, that it serves me. You made an interesting point in a LinkedIn post just recently where you talked about possibly your own relationship. I don't know. But the fact that women are often accused of wanting it all. You know, they want a job, they want a career, they want a family, they want a home, they want a partnership. The way you wrote it, it said that this is achievable, but you have to be conscious of the times when you need to be present in each of those aspects of your life, knowing that you've got to share your energies and to use your masculine and your feminine energies appropriately in the different contexts. And you felt that that was a way of that awareness enabled you to maintain your independence and your freedom but at the same time have a relationship have a connection with another partner whether it be male or female but somebody with whom you could then share your energies is that something you you still hold to be true absolutely absolutely and actually if you have a conscious relationship there you can communicate this your needs like when i have to work i really need my my masculine energy to put things together. Uh, of course, I also use my feminine energy because there's all this creativity and so on. And I, 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 I feel compassion. I actually love, like pretty much love my clients. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, it's very feminine to connect. However, if I want to keep my clients, like hold them in space one, one, when we are in the, in the mentoring process, or when I'm writing something like that, that's that's masculine energy, and I'm I, I want to use it, and now I can use it. It's very important that I stopped using my masculine energy as a shield because mm -hmm. it was my shield. It was there for me to protect my wounded feminine, and this is crucial for women that if my inner feminine has no space 
then then I need a strong masculine to protect me. If I have no space as a woman, I cannot be weak, I cannot be just joyful, I cannot be playful, then I need this shield to protect me in an outer world. That's this shield is my testosterone level, right? Yes. But but if I I manage to put these shields down and step into my feminine power. Actually, my inner feminine can be so strong and she can step out for herself and show her in her perfect imperfection. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's it about. And she knows and I know that if I need, I can still put up my or pull up my masculine power and use it intentionally. Yes. Intentionally. And so is the same also in a relationship. And I think the same for men, you know, men have to be able to touch and to use their feminine energies. I mean, I, I sometimes write poet poems. I think I describe myself as a speedy poet because I tend to write when I wake up in the morning. You know, I dream about things and I have this conscious feeling that I need to write something down when I'm in the mood, when I'm in the groove. Um, it takes me and I, I just write things down. But it's in that moment where my subconscious is deciding how I want to create and how I want to share the world with, usually with individuals rather than the world globally. I don't try to produce written work. But interesting how we at different times, even of the day or of a cycle, and there are people who believe in obviously the, the lunar or the even differently menstrual cycles, all of those cycles affect our energies, don't they, differently. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's also very interesting that actually uh, I've heard a theory and I think it can be, I, I, I can relate to it because of course we know that women are cyclic and we are very much connected to the moon because the moon has this 28 days uh, cycle and so we do with our period and so on. And then we say that, yeah, and men are lunar. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. What is, is it so simple? No, it's not that simple because as women are, connected to the moon and the moon is always changing you know like the moon is showing us a different face every day and so are women just we are just different every day right so the same way man is connected men are connected to the sun Mm -hmm. and the sun also has its cycle it also goes up and down but it does it in a day yes and not and not in a month and that's why we might have the sensation that man usually have kind of like a similar level of energy as like always and women are like pretty much changing in the energy level throughout the throughout the cycle of one month Mm -hmm. and that's that makes a difference and it's very important also to just to be aware of it like first of all i think it's the easiest to be aware of it in your partnership at home if if you are in a male female relationship but also on the other side it would be beautiful you could be aware of it at our workplaces yes. Right? Yes. yeah interesting that uh, the sun at the moment is throwing out these massive solar flares some of which will reach the earth and may destroy satellite systems and I watched that film last night that's on Netflix. Everybody's talking about Leave the World Behind. And I thought, yeah, some of this is going to come true very soon. Um, Particularly, you know, cyber attacks. We know they're happening all the time. But the solar flares throwing out that aggressive energy from the sun. Is that, could that be leading to more aggression that we're seeing in the world, particularly from men or especially from men? You know, there's there are theories here, but actually very natural connections that go on. 
Um, do you cover this in your course, Femme Fatale? Tell me something about this course you developed, Femme Fatale, how it's run, how you work with your clients and what benefit they get from it. Well, we don't go that far. <laughs> we don't go. We don't go to to the to the analysis and to the potential analysis of what could happen if. But uh, just to make a side note that yeah, I absolutely believe that. Come on, we are we are creatures of of nature and we are super much like part of it. So we cannot just cannot just say that there's nature and then us because because yes, you know we, so are we, are, we are we are we are we are all nature and what we do here on planet Earth, of course. Uh, of course, it's in correlation with with uh, everything what's going on in the universe. So, so there's no question about it. At least, in not in my head. Um, of course, you can have a different opinion. Anyways, so this femme fatale program. Oh my god, I love it, and I called it femme fatale because for me, it's for a woman who chooses her destiny, and probably this is the thing what you mentioned that it needs courage. Mm -hmm. uh, but but this like. When you mentioned that it needed courage to step out from the company and start my own business, that that was not so courageous. I think you need courage to face yourself. Mm -hmm. I think you need courage to to stop and just to take a mirror and watch closely and meet your own shadows as well. Not only the sunny side. Hey, we are here, shadow and sunny sides beings. So like. Not only that, like, oh, yeah, I'm good in this and that. Anyways, women are not good and bragging, so it, it won't be the case. But, yeah, like, we are we are going to face ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why I, I call it Femme Fatale, because I believe that women who embark this journey, it's a six-month program, so it's not a, not a shorty. And during these six months, we meet every second week. And in between the sessions, there are workbooks, which I've written, which I prepared for my clients, and they are full of questions. So they are basically an, an amazing prompt for journaling, or if you don't want to journal, then, then it's for contemplation, like deep contemplation, staying with a question and listening to the answer in your body. And the only by this journaling or by this contemplation, you get quite much of understandings. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, then there are the live sessions, the one-to-one -one sessions for 90 minutes. There we even deep dive, um, yeah, uh, dive deeper. And uh, so and during this journey, we we start with the mind. So we, we start uh, with understanding the concept of uh, feminine and masculine polarity we go through what is healthy feminine and masculine what is the wounded feminine and masculine so we kind of like learn the vocabulary and uh, however before before going to meet our shadows there's a session there's a module which is about self-love mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and that's very crucial because we need to cultivate self-love and self-compassion before embarking into such a challenging journey because yes like what if you find out that oh my god i'm playing a victim in so many roles of my life oh my god i just find out that i'm i act like a superior person because i think that i know everything and nobody can do it as fast as i do mm -hmm. smart women trap you know i'm smarter than you i know it better or conscious women trap oh I'm wiser, I'm, you know, I'm over it already, right? So these are traps. And then you find out that hoo-hoo, I'm not so perfect. And I'm I I have some issues what I what are here to face. And 
this is exactly so after the self-love module there are several modules which are opening up these potential shadows what we all have i still have them in so many layers so many fields of my life of course i still have them but i keep working on them and as you are transforming them they are just it's such a liberation and by the end of the journey it goes a bit more tantric Mm-hmm. It goes goes more from head, from understanding the concept, from working on this concept. We go more and more into the heart and eventually into the yoni where we have this amazing powerhouse of, mm-hmm. of uh, our feminine juiciness and, and energy. And, uh, and at the very end of the story, I've, uh, I have goosebumps even only by talking about it. So at the very end of the story, there is the marriage of... Mm-hmm the how you called it the divine masculine and the feminine and that's the that's the session where not only i cry but my clients cry or they start first and then i join them it's usually very touching and uh, a client of mine she was so lovely i i loved it as well she said you know i'm married but this marriage was way more beautiful (laughs) So, so that ceremony is really really it makes makes women united in their masculine and feminine energy and it's really revolutionary yeah as i say from a male point of view i'm very jealous because i think this is the kind of work many men are some are trying to work on myself included but whether or not we're successful only time will tell you know there's so much unlearning to do and unbehaving and undoing i think it's going to take a long time for that to change particularly at a political i was even having an argument this morning or a discussion with a student about the economics of this that there are economic aspects of this and where power lies you know people often say follow the money so it gets very complex the political the economic the social society's expectations of us but interestingly you spoke before about the hormonal changes there's a very different very clear physiological somatic aspect to this isn't that your feelings and your body connect with your inner emotions and your exterior representation of those emotions and it affects the whole person do you do you go that far with the tantric work do you look at the body and see how the body's reacting to different emotions no, well, for working only with emotions, I have different mentoring packages. So, because, like, of course, there are many emotions popping up during this journey, during the fan fatal journey, and those emotions which pop up, we name them. We, yeah. we, you know, I hold space for them. We tag them. We stay with them mindfully, which is super important, because so then, then the client can actually learn self regulation. But if somebody really just feels a woman just feels that she's just way too emotional or she has hardly no access to her emotions and she would love to feel more, then there's another mentoring, which is like a classic mentoring of mine, where where in, uh, depending on the client's needs, we set three or six sessions and there we, we just work with emotions and then there are deeper meditations and so on where I can lead my clients and we tap into that. But of course, meditations and and this kind of um, deep work is also part of the femme fatale. But mm-hmm. uh, but there's no no kind of like a list of emotions what we have to touch. No. But we wait what's coming up from the client. Yeah. Yes, those um, workshops 
and I'm thinking of ones I've been on in the past, are very intense, aren't they? Emotionally, it's a real journey. And as you say, tears often come, but also anger, sometimes anger at why you've lived in this state for so long and why you need to change it now. Those emotions come to the surface when you're together with people. Oh my God, so much, so much. And uh, as I do these retreats my, myself, of course, as I'm teaching, I have to learn as well, right? And uh, one of my strongest strengths is learning. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a really like a very enthusiastic learner uh, since, uh, since I was small. And uh, so I just jump into jump into deep retreats with no mercy, and uh, and yeah, they are like super super emotional, and that's why it's like very very important if you choose a retreat, there you go. Who is your teacher? What is the surrounding? Is it safe? Is yes. it is it all right? Are they going to hold you? Because I've been to retreats where I was not hold enough, and that was tough work. I have to tell you, I came back home and I had what to do for two three weeks more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need that safe environment. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And also, you were mentioning anger. Mm -hmm. This is so interesting because uh, anger is such a um, downrated and such a criticized um emotion however it's so beautiful and so mm -hmm. powerful mm -hmm. there's so much creativity so much power in anger yeah. and women it's also once again i would say it's because because anger was something what we were afraid of as as little girls because we were weaker we were not able to protect ourselves that much maybe and we very often also wanted to play the good girls. Oh, that was my case as well. Like I so much wanted to be the good girl. You know, I was I wanted to be so much that I repressed all of my anger. Mm -hmm. Really, you couldn't have seen me angry for like a hell lot of time. Only my sister was able to make me angry <laughs> during <laughs> our childhood, but, do, yeah. but eventually nobody else. You know, and I truly believe that me repressing my anger for ages. But like literally there were many situations and all of my friends were asking like, aren't you angry at him? And I was like, no, you know, I haven't, I literally haven't felt it. I closed it so deeply. And that was the reason why my anxiety was popping up. That yeah. was the exact reason. And luckily, luckily I got anxiety and not another health issue because mm -hmm. with emotions, with anxiety, it's always very easier to work than with something which is already somatized in your body. Yes. And we can do ourselves lots of harm, can't we, if we don't address those emotions, don't work them through and don't release them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I think like to work with emotions is another topic because it's like uh, uh, I've been just recording like uh, two weekish uh, ago um, a discussion for League for Mental Health in Slovakia because uh, I cooperate with them. We have set up their coalition for for employers who do care about mental health and these these organizations these employers they have the chance to to join this um this organization or this this coalition what we set up within the league and so that they can receive a very nice uh, material every month which is like a live discussion and we were there and we were talking about emotions for one hour and it was not enough, you know, like about emotions and about self-regulation of emotions. Then what's the, the super important of it, importance of them? We could literally have like several podcasts on. Yes. 
ever, that's been fascinating. We've covered a lot of ground, um, probably more to go. But let's for now just say, how can people get in touch with you? How can they take part in these programs, take part in Femme Fatale, make contact with you? How can they oh. do that? Thank you. Thank you for this question. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I'm present on social media. So I am, as Eva Lelkesh, I am present on LinkedIn, where we have met, luckily. Uh, I am present on, on Facebook. I have both my private account and have also my my uh, official web page, like Facebook page, and also Instagram. So on these social media platforms, and if if you just contact me or like you, you tag me to, to connect or you write me a message, then then it's awesome awesome to get into connection and actually i also receive quite often it's i don't know how does it happen but i also quite often re receive emails so if you want i can dictate that <laughs> but that's that's really straightforward <laughs> yes. but, yeah well, it's, it's would it be okay for me to put your um email address in the contact details in the pro uh, podcast description is that okay uh, absolutely absolutely we can do that <laughs> all right so yes i'm just trying to give people as no excuse not to contact you so to make it as easy as possible for people at least to <laughs> say hello or say hi because i do welcome feedback on the podcast i don't get a lot but it's nice to get feedback because i'm trying oh, it's to it's so amazing yeah it's so amazing just to yeah. just to get like yeah you know it it is nourishing or you know it was good to listen to you it's it's uh yeah, I think this is also part of our fuel, why we do this job, right? Yes, exactly. From my, from my point of view, it's a language, linguistic interest, but it's actually more personal than that. You know, it's very professionally, I, I'm interested in the words we use and how we use them, helping people use them creatively. But from a personal point of view, you know, this is about self. It's about the inner work that we're always doing with ourselves and therefore with others, because what we put out is a reflection of what we see in other people. So it's very complex, but very enjoyable ever. Thank you very, very much indeed. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very nice and hugely successful 2024. I hope we'll be in touch and perhaps do another podcast in the spring, see how your work is going. And um, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you, John. It was my pleasure to, to, to discuss this topic. It's fantastic. This beloved topic of mine with you. And I really thank you for the deep questions. And I hope that the audience enjoyed it as well, just as we did. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and thank you. <laughs>